Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to another episode of Buffalo Happy Hour. Mike, what's going on? Oh, Derek, a lot. It's been a production, but we're here. We're ready. We're established. We got everything lined up. Um, so quick shout out to Addie's. Thank you so much for the connection. Uh, we are actually not at Addie's. We are off site. We are working with a fantastic brand and a, uh, a company that provides a lot of good juice specifically to our area. So we'll dive into all things uh, you, you guys, your experience, and then We'll go down the lineup, of course, um, and then hopefully in six hours, we're good to uh, <laughs> yeah. to go from there. So you want to introduce yourself to the audience? Sure. My name is uh, Mario Delgado. Uh, I found that loophole in life where somebody pays you to drink, which is a fantastic life hack. Cheers. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, an expense account. I mean, like, who knew? It's like, I'm not a, re- I'm not a responsible adult. Like, just no booze. <laughs> um, I, uh, I am very lucky to work for a company called Monsieur Touton. Uh, it's been a family-owned wine company for 40 years, and they've been crushing it with Bordeaux. His family's been there for centuries, and then he basically brought everything to the U.S. and had, you know, built a really big name for himself, like l- from a rolling bag on the sidewalk to having three-fourths of a building in midtown Manhattan. Wow. So I, I am honored. And he has a lot of foresight, even though he's an older gentleman, knowing that Spirits is on the horizon. Spirits has outsold wine the last two years globally. And, you know, like, congratulations, we all got drinking problems. Awesome. <laughs> Uh, it's job security for me, so I don't mind. Um, but it is where the world is going. So whether it was COVID and we were a little depressed, we need a little bit something stronger, or we realized the versatility of what spirits had to offer, um, it made sense and it clicked with people. And they're a little bit more decisive and more educated in, in what they want to buy. Luckily for me, I was working for a small craft distillery in um, New Jersey. Shout out to All Points West Distillery. That's where I, I got my chops. There's only five of us, so we did everything. We, we, um, fer- we ground up the grain. We fermented. Uh, we did our mash. We distilled. We bottled. We labeled every single bottle. We packed it. And with my orders, 85% of the orders that I took was in the trunk of my car. Mm. Um, I eventually fell in love with it. And I'm like, oh, my God. I'm like, I didn't know that you know, whiskey is just beer with a couple more steps or that uh, cognac is just like the distilled version of wine. And, and then I was like, but why don't I know this? And I realized that. There are companies out there. They feel like if you they keep you ignorant, you'll just keep buying the same things. Mm-hmm. And that happened in wine in the 80s to 2000. It used to be, is it a red wine or a white wine? 
then it became sweet or dry and now is it is it biodynamic is this what is this wine you know like vegan it's like who it's grapes what do you mean it's not vegan and so that those are things you learn but that took 20 years sure and then now you look at craft beer craft beer used to be like is it a light beer or a dark beer and then it's like well i want a, a a lager i want an ale and then now it's like is this a sour kettle m m&m, um smoothie uh <laughs> lactose rich and that's fine but it took from 2000 to 2020. Spirits, um, I thought was just really fascinating and I fell in love with the process because the guy that I worked for at All Points West was uh, a genius. And I'm like, I need to learn more because people don't know. And so I'm like, if I educate myself, I can educate them. And now spirits, you know, used to be just like a gin is a gin is a gin. And you know, like, you know, vodka is, is what you drink when you want to black out on club soda. And now it's like, there's so much more to it and the consumer is ready to spend that money and be educated and learn more. Um, but the brands aren't doing their due diligence. They're just focusing on celebrities mm. and they're focusing on advertising and they hope you're a dog lover, you know, like that's it. Um, where I think there's so much more to that and distilling has existed basically as we know it for spirits, let's say since the 1500s. So, it's been part of our history. Our livers have grown three times since we become homo sapiens because beer and wine, you know, nowadays we have them, you know, from 4% up to about 16, 17%, but that's natural fermentation. That happens without human influence. Spirits, we typically have them at 40% ABV. Well, now you're going almost five times as much. So our livers are growing to try to keep up with it. I, I just love that livers have fermented just like the juice that we're putting through them like that's that's amazing dilation is one of the greatest things to ever exist yeah. because now we're just able to enjoy so many different options mm. and it's generational so in two generations my grandkids maybe their livers are going to be bigger yeah they have to be we hope so we're, we're practicing now for the future really we're worrying about tomorrow's children exactly that's, <laughs> that's, that's what we're so doing today. It's, it's all because of r&d and research yeah. i mean it's really we're just doing the betterment of humanity yeah your uh your brain and your liver have the most amount of blood of any organs in your body if 30 percent of your liver stays behind after 70 percent gets cut off it regrows um you know we are built to consume alcohol but there are three species on the planet Earth that um, actually consume fermented beverages and their bodies can handle it. Ethanol is still a poison at the end of the day, but we work as filters. So there's like these bonobo apes in like India. There's this like spider monkey in Madagascar and there's humans. Of those three, only one of them is telling their life story to the Uber driver. You know, like humans have served a special place with alcohol and we've incorporated it. And it's one of the very first places that women were allowed to have a business, whether it's with beer or wine. Vouv Clicquot, that's the widow Clicquot. So you're a widow, you can't make money, you make wine or champagne. Mm. They are, there's a historical significance to that. And it plays a role in all, in all of our communities. And it basically wasn't until we were stopping hunters and gatherers. We used to eat all the mushy fruit off the first floor. And we'd be like, this is pretty good. Like, I kind of want to fight that caveman. Like, I'm having a good time. Um, and so we were like, wait, if we stop and we have extra grains, we can make beer. Or if we stop and we grow vines and we can have grapes, we can have wine. So then it became something more, and then we started building communities. When you talk about distillation and higher ABV, distillation doesn't create alcohol, it concentrates alcohol. So the goal is, okay, I have beer, it's gonna go bad, if I distill it, I make whiskey. I have wine, it's gonna go bad, I distill it, I have brandy. Or I have too much agave. Or if I have too much sugar cane, then you have your, um, your tequila and your rum. So it's been a part of our communities, and that's also how we paid our bills. You know, but if you have something like grains that are going to go bad or the rats are going to eat it, distillation makes way more sense. 
Um, so to answer my question, I'm a passionate about spirits, and that's why I got into this industry, and I work for Monsieur Tutan. So that is the short answer. Sorry, guys, for the other 40 minutes I left out of this uh, description. One of the first things you said was that the spirits industry has taken over the wine industry, and it, now it's outselling it for the past two years. What in the spirits is leading that charge? Is it vodka? Is it gin? Is it whiskey? Uh, te- te- go ahead. Tequila? Tequila is going to be one of the first things to outsell vodka in a very long time. Uh Vodka, it gets a bad rap, but vodka is our bridge, right? I like, I wanna, I wanna dance tonight on club soda or ginger ale or cranberry juice. I'm adding vodka to it. I'm not gonna add Johnny Walker Blue. I'm not gonna add, uh, um, I'm not gonna add like uh, an añejo tequila. I'm gonna do something that's really affordable, because vodka is allowed to be any fermentable item distilled to 95% and then filtered and diluted. So you can have grape grain, potato, uh, you can have sugar, you can have any type of neutral distillate. But the thing is, you just don't, uh, they, they said it's the same effect of like olives and blue cheese. Mm. If you're in that environment and you get exposed to it, you enjoy it. And so no one just likes scotch. No one just starts liking bourbon out of the blue. Maybe it's your friends or your family to get into it. And vodka is that bridge where it's like, I like how alcohol makes me feel, but I don't like the taste of alcohol yet. Mm. Then you say, okay, I add it to my juices, I add it to my sodas. And then you get more of a kind of uh you get more of a lifespan and then eventually you say oh they're out of vodka well maybe i'll try gin okay oh well i like gin let me me start trying whiskey and then all of a sudden in 10 15 20 30 years you'll find yourself like oh if it's not a 20 year old single malt scotch i'm not drinking it and so you know that's how snobs are born it starts with (laughs) vodka bridging the gap but it's losing its grounding um to tequila unfortunately the way the tequila industry works um you know agave plants they take years to grow what they do is they take the rhizome and they make a copy what you really need to do is that let the agave plant mature it cross pollinates and then it has the immunity to hold up to any diseases we're one bad disease from losing all of our weber blue agave Mm. in mexico but the thing is fun fact the agave plant is in the asparagus family so when it matures it creates a big massive 20 foot stalk of asparagus bats come in so not bees like we know with plants here bats are the ones that cross pollinate the agave but you know what happens? If it matures, all the sugars get used up by the stock, and that means I can't ferment and distill it and make a couple extra bucks on my tequila. So everyone does the copy, and also it's supposed to mature to about six to eight years. They keep you know, doing it at four to five to six years. Hmm. So that's almost like taking a, an 11-year-old, slapping on a helmet, and say, go to battle. So, this, so they're making copies of really immune, weak, and very young agaves. It's not sustainable. I mean, I'm willing to say on record, like 10 to 15 years from now, if we have a Niejo tequila, I'd be totally shocked. Um, that's why mezcal works so much better. You're allowed to use any type of agave that mm-hmm. grows within a region. And there's Bacanora and Racia, and Sotol uses the Weatherspoon plant, which is like agave adjacent, and so that's fine. But I had heard rumors that with the tequila, they're willing to go different than Weber or Blue just so they have inventory of agave to distill. Sure. Why do you think that transition has happened from vodka to tequila? Is it because of it looks similar or is it price point so the the real answer that i hate to admit is that during covid people thought that tequila was more of a curative agent than other spirits oh okay so that is a rumor that i'd heard at every single liquor store i went to i've heard it from people directly and they're like no like you can't get covid if you drink tequila like you know like george clooney if you said that god bless you because it just <laughs> drove numbers up like crazy um Tequila has been around since like World War II. They actually used to use it as a ration. 
Um, and then the bigger brands, of course, kept their consumers ignorant. But now we have premium tequilas. We have the Clase Azule, mm. Casa Dragones. Um, it's not, I haven't heard anybody say the word Cuevo in about five years. Mm. Um, and so people are getting elevated, spending a little bit more money. Legislation has changed to make it a little bit easier on some things. Who would know the Mexican government <laughs> would be corrupt? I mean, um, but there's a lot more accessibility. Legislation's more favorable. Production's much easier. And, um, you know, as soon as one person's making five bucks, there's somebody following them trying to make ten. Yeah. Um, so there's more exposure. There's more advertising dollars going towards it. Mm -hmm. And there's less of a stigma. So it used to be like, oh, like, I just want to black out tonight. Okay, let's line up 10 tequila shots. Mm. That's, not the, that's not the case anymore because no one can afford it nowadays. Um, but it's, it's just the characteristic has changed. Celebrities is another big thing, too. Um, that, yeah, that's, that's got to be a massive impact on the entire industry because nobody thought The Rock was going to come up with a no. brand or – you know, name the other actors. It's just uh, you have Kevin Hart, you have George Clooney, you you have the the guys from Breaking Bad. So you have. Um, what, didn't Ryan Reynolds have one? Uh, he did the aviation uh, aviation gin. Oh, that's right. It was a gin. And then they had Avion, which is a fake tequila from Entourage that they made into a real tequila, and it's just wild. But that's the problem. When you don't have education, you look for guidance. And well, we we're Americans. We covered celebrity. Mm -hmm. So we're going to follow celebrities with whatever they do. Mm -hmm. um, and it's and that's the case. You know, if people really knew what was going on, they probably wouldn't love half the stuff. Kendall Jenner's in a way. So you can name 15 celebrities with that. How many vodka celebrities do you know? I, I don't really know a lot of Russian celebrities. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. yeah. And you know what? You haven't heard a lot from them in the last year. So. <laughs> <laughs> so they were a little busy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> do you think that the celebrity endorsement of products is ruining the industry or is it helping the industry? What, what's your perception on that? Because from us, from a whiskey standpoint, most of the celebrity products are not very good because they put their name behind something. They don't necessarily know how it's made. Mm -hmm. and they just kind of help a company. What are your thoughts? You know what? Everybody needs a little bit of help, but you can't deny that the money is there. Sure. So once that stops working, you're there. Like, remember, we talked about wine. Well, back in the day, it used to be Coppola wines and Kim Crawford wines, and it used to be um, Greg Norman, uh, and all these celebrities that backed the wineries and stuff like that, and they were huge. Mm -hmm. You don't hear that any day because now people are asking the questions. Is it biodynamic? Is it vegan? Is this a natural wine? What kind of grape varietal? Oh, actually, you're bringing grapes from Australia here to California to press them and make your wine. So then people are like, no, I don't want to drink that. It's, it's when, you, when that celebrity stops working, it'll stop happening. And, of course, cheap juice is cheap to make. So you spend your money on the celebrity, and that's why those products don't taste good. Um, I don't, you know, if a celebrity had to back up a brand, Mind you, there are good brands that have good celebrities. This is not a catch-all. But if it's sold on its own, you wouldn't need a celebrity. That's my only argument. But again, some celebrities actually do really support and really behind their brands, and those are, are fantastic. And like, as much as like, Casamigos has the reputation it has, George Clooney built a brand, and people are drinking it. it a bad tequila only gets you so far, just like a bad whiskey will only get you so far. It's like, oh, great. It's this so-and-so guy from this TV show. If this isn't good, I'm not buying it again, but at least I tried it. it it's not where it helps those people that have the deep pockets already. Um, it, it doesn't really help the craft brands. The craft brands are never going to get a celebrity. Ryan Reynolds is never going to knock on my door and be like, oh, you have a gin no one's heard of? Awesome. <laughs> I'm going to take that. Um, those people are already million, multi-million companies bringing in other multi-millionaires to sell to broke people. It's... 
I don't know. It's yeah. uh, education's where it really has to be, and we're not there yet. We're we're still that 17, 15 years away. We're on the horizon, and it's gonna get there. And I think that's gonna meter out some of the snobbery that goes into whiskey that I see a lot of days. There's been whiskey groups that I'm a part of, and these guys just buy labels. You don't know. You don't. I get it. You don't have to know the mash bill or the barrel that's used or whatever, but like, be passionate about what you're mm -hmm. drinking. You're as much as I love what I do. It's poison, right? Too much of it, you'd be like, you know, like you're gone. I know I'm a poison salesman, but I'm just saying, understand and appreciate the poison you are having. You are having the role it plays in your for yourself or your mm -hmm. community. Because people always ask me, Mary, what's your favorite whiskey or what's your favorite wine? It's the one I can afford. True. So to be like, oh, I just dropped $750 and I'm never going to open it. The amount of stories of husbands have a collection, they covet them, they never drink them, they pass away, and then the wife is like, well, I need to move into a smaller house, and they give away these collections. Right. They don't care. You can't take it with you. And I learned that lesson from, um, who is the guy? From Buffalo Trace. They have this fantastic brand ambassador. Um, or is it Jim Beam? And his father got to have something that he made as a master distiller that was like 30 years old. And he's like, let's save it for a special occasion, dad. And he's like, no, let's drink it tonight. And they finished basically the whole bottle in one night. The dad passed away two months later. Mm. And it's like, if you don't appreciate those moments, this is time captured and it will last you way longer than we exist. Enjoy it right. to, 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 to purposely go out and take things off the market because you're coveting them. I mean, it's like it's like being a mythical dragon. It's like you're sitting on your pile, but everybody hates your guts. You know, <laughs> it's like share and drink. You can't, you know, bravo to you if you can, but you can't finish that whole bottle by yourself. Sure. Share it with your friends and family and and figure out about it. What makes it special? I don't need a celebrity to tell mm -hmm. me that. Now, speaking on, you know, stories and, and bottles specifically, every single one of these bottles on this table has a ridiculous story. Oh, yeah. I, I, I try to pull out the, the big guns as much as I can. Um, we have a really versa versatile um, spirits portfolio and something that I've been working on and growing on with uh, myself and the rest of my teammates. Um, shout out to Barbara, Marsha and Lee. Uh, we all really work together to bring in some special stuff. Um, what is that like to bring something in? It's a challenge. Mind you, like I said, this is a wine company that we've had for 40 years. So not everybody's on board when I'm like, hey, I got something that competes with chartreuse. And they're like, what? You know, like they don't even know what chartreuse is. I'm like, oh, OK, I guess I'm not getting my palate that I wanted. Um, also, people just send me stuff all the time in the office. And I'm like, I don't I need that. I need pricing because it's like if somebody can't afford it, I can't sell it. Um, so I have to focus on what the strengths and weaknesses are of the teams in, in nine different states that we sell spirits, sampling, pricing. It doesn't make sense. It's like, would I buy it? Because if it's not something I would buy, how am I going to convince somebody that, that they should spend their money on it too? Mm -hmm. You know, it's it's you don't want to have that kind of defeatist attitude. So everything here has a really great story, really great packaging. And the thing is, there's no money behind it. There's no Instagram posts. There's the websites. They exist, but there's no celebrities. And so it's really up to me to make them work. But they, they really, they work on their own legs. And I'm just very lucky to bring stuff in. Sometimes you bring in stuff that's winners. Sometimes you don't. Yeah. Winners so far, knock on wood. So you said the owner was a winery, right? He owned a winery before? Uh, for which brand? Oh, Teuton? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, he, he just focuses on Bordeaux wines. Okay. His father I used gotcha. to be like, um, 
they have these like wine brokers in Bordeaux and it's like very tight knit like mafioso kind of stuff I don't know why <laughs> the wine the dirty world of wine I'm sorry <laughs> and uh, and he left that behind to start his own business as an importer in the US so did he start with cognac or ver- like what he, did he start with then? yeah so he did exclusively wine and then he just did uh, some of the wine houses we have in our portfolio were cognac houses as mm. well so like uh, I don't have a bottle here but Tesseron uh, they're part of the Punta Canet and Pim Ray houses of wine incredible juice they used to sell their product to um, you know like uh, to Hennessy and Remy and, and Martel and they actually survived World War II by keeping all their cognac behind a fake wall in the cave some of those brands in in uh, France were like, oh, just, you know, it's like if you give a mouse a cookie, like, I'll just give a Nazi cognac and it'll leave me alone. <laughs> Not the case. Uh, they just kept drinking tons of champagne and tons of cognac and they never went away. Um, so uh, they survived that. They've been around since late 1800s. And their, their Paradiso, where they keep their older distillate, is actually in a UNESCO World Protected Site. It's a 14th century crypt. Mm, so, yeah. So, so in the for the winter special, we'll focus on that stuff <laughs> for, the, for the other podcast. Sounds uh, good. If I'm welcome back. Absolutely. Know. Yeah. So I, I just have a feeling there's going to be multiple rounds. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So the two um, on the end, those are vermouths? These are vermouths. Um, people always ask me, what the hell is vermouth? It is a fortified, aromatized wine. Okay. Fortified meaning um, it's not on its own bones. One is 18%, the other 17.5. They don't ferment to that level. They they pitch in basically a neutral spirit because even though it's wine-based and you're, you're carrying a lot of aromatics, um, you need that distillate to give you more shelf life because that means if I opened it up now, by tonight, it'd be, mm-hmm. it'll be done. Now, I learned this recently. Mm-hmm. Vermouth is generally good post-opening for a month, and it has to be refrigerated after you open it. I, I'm a big advocate of refrigerating your vermouth. Yeah. Um, Does it last longer than a month? Because I'm trying to, like, hammer Manhattans because I'm terrified <laughs> that I'm just going to, like, lose the vermouth. Well, I'm not against you hammering Manhattans. <laughs> well, so of that's course, a, that's of course not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so it depends on the ABV. So a lot of your bigger houses sit around 14 to 16%. Less ABV, less shelf life. Mm. Um, se- 17% is that sweet spot where you get a little bit longer. Um, something on this level, like you found another brand that was at 17, 18%. Um, I would say you could probably have it open, unrefrigerated for three months. And I'm not lying. I've, I've done it myself. Um, refrigerated, it'll last a lot longer, five months, six months. Mm. But before what I used to do was I'd go to liquor stores and get the 50 mLs or the 375s mm. and use those. Because I didn't want them to go bad either. Sure. The way the aromatics work in, in, a, in a distillation or in anything you're dealing with the aroma is the softest molecule in there it's the most volatile which means that as time goes on it evaporates quicker than the rest of the what's in there Mm. and the more of that ingredient you have the more those aroma molecules the longer it'll last but things that are lighter they'll just fade with time and that'll happen to your gins and and plenty of other stuff is it what classification is that in is that still considered a spirit uh, it is not. Yeah, it's just fortified, fortified, fortified okay, so wine. It's considered aromatized fortified. wine. Okay, yeah. gotcha. So you have some other things in that category, like a Lille Blanc or, um, I mean, besides other vermouths, mm-hmm. uh, kind of like like port and stuff like that, but you don't have the aromatized, which I is gotcha. another important factor. Um, so with, with this brand specifically, it's called Nova de Dante or Nine de Dante. Um, it's based off of Dante Alighieri's uh, Inferno. So we have the nine layers of hell, nine circles of purgatorio and they actually have intention with the botanicals on the back of them there's 27 in each and they're different for both 
But, you know, if there is a botanical that was used as a contraceptive, it goes under lust. Um, is there, uh, if there's a botanical that overgrows a garden, it goes under envy. So the things behind it are really intentional. But there's a focus on wine. So they say that Piedmont is the home of vermouth. Vermouth fell out of favor after World War II because Winston Churchill was pissed at the Italians. Uh, so he says, oh, uh, my addition of vermouth to my martini is having a sunlight hit a bottle of vermouth, blah, 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 blah. Or real men drink dry martinis. That was the, basically the concept to go against the Italians. Now it's coming back into favor. But in between, we had winer, uh, vermouth companies that just brought in the cheapest wine possible with the minimum amount of botanicals just to get it done, mm. just to have something on the shelf. Sure. So besides what this brand is here, there's plenty of other revivals, especially on a local level. And it's gorgeous to see because, again, mm. historical significance. Of course, vermouth started off as like a curative. Like gentian root, which is typically used in um, bitter things, like a Campari, like a vermouth, was actually from monks eating fatty meats. So they would have lamb and they'd have sheep and their body needs to break it down. So you'd start with a vermouth or an apertivo for appetizer. It builds up the bile in your system and that means it's easier for your body to break down that lamb mm. or, that, or that sheep or all those fatty meats. Um, makes it easier for your body to break down. Just like we have digestivos, and those are sweet. Carbohydrates actually trigger your digestive system after a meal, so you can start digesting quicker. So they serve, they serve a purpose. You want to start your meal with something bitter, um, like a vermouth or an aperitivo, like Campari, Aperol, all that stuff. And you want to finish with something sweet, like a Chinar or a Bailey's or a Frangelico, because that will trigger your digestive system to pull it right through. Hmm. Um, there is, a, like I said, an intentional historical significance. Of course, we've totally forgotten about this. <laughs> we're like, this is boom, boom juice, and it, you know, it makes us like want to party. And I think we're getting really realistic about like, what am I putting into my body? What purpose does it serve? And also, does it taste good? Sure. Instead of just getting the job done, which I think is a lot of people have done. So let's start with this. I'm going to have you guys try it. This is the extra dry, so no sugar added. 27 botanicals. And they use 100% Arnais DOC wine from the Piedmont area. It's the ex-master blender from Carpano, another guy named Mario, so I love him. Um, <laughs> he worked there for decades, almost like two to three decades. But again, when you're at Carpano, you have to make their 100-year-old recipe. This is him doing his own thing, flexing his own muscles, being able to have the accessibility that he has. Mm. So, you know, white's going to be a lighter style, so I'm going to have you guys... Oh, put it right into this. I get a glass too. Oh yeah, oh yeah, you do. Oh wow, you're getting hammered. Our, uh, there you our go. livers okay. are getting larger tonight. God, I didn't know how to drink my own <laughs> snake oil. <laughs> Your own snake oil. So yeah, good aromatics. Uh, a lot of the things that I pull from it are the thyme and the sage in there, oh, yeah. which you never see in Definitely. anything else. But it also smells just like a really funky glass of wine. Mm -hmm. Well, cheers, guys, to the cheers. to the first Thank round. You. We don't have to cheers, cheers every time, but at least this one. And we're talking about, I mean, just like this with an ice cube. This is room temperature vermouth that's already been opened. And this has been opened for about five, six days. It's very candied. It's so mm. fresh. Yeah. It's really pure. It just, it's, it's all the wine sweetness coming through. Nothing is added. That's crazy because yeah. to me this is very sweet. Yeah, there's legislation in place with vermouths on the level of sugars you can have. I mean, basically all of Europe as well. But they say, like, if it's this much sugar content, it's blank, blank, blank. But they can, they have... That Arnais wine is just a very drinkable wine to begin with. Um, so this drinks like a Sauvignon Blanc with a lot of botanicals in it, basically. Mm -hmm. What are your thoughts on this? So I wouldn't use this for a Manhattan. 
Well, it's a, it's a white vermouth anyway, so right. you want to do like your Vesper cocktail, like the mm -hmm. traditional James Bond one, uh, your regular kind of martini, oh, but not do it go. dry. Yeah, yeah. Do a white Negroni, a white Boulevardier. Yeah. It has like a little Blanc thing built in, so it kind of go Corpse Reviver, you know. So there's a lot of um, playability with it. Um, even mixing the two vermouths together and also have drinking it on its own. Have you done that? Have you mixed both of these together? Oh, yeah, they're so good. Yeah, we'll do that next. <laughs> we'll do that next. That's fascinating. Um, with Addie's and Lexi's, uh, they're selling both of the vermouths at twenty nine ninety nine anyway. So, you know, honestly, this is going to be better than a twenty nine ninety nine bottle of wine. Sure. Um, also, 18% alcohol. So there's that. Um, hmm. Are these our dump cups, or are we going to drink something separate from no, that? No, probably the, that's a whiskey. Yeah. Okay, we'll so I guess we're going to finish what we have. Love that. Oh, okay. yeah. oh yeah, oh yeah. But we'll know that for next time, so we don't uh, pour more. There's oh no no that's fine. Oh no, no. <laughs> yeah no don't hold back. Yeah. Um, so we're going to the red. The red is going to be fifty percent dolcetto, fifty percent cortese. Um, there's no artificial coloring. Um, it is sweetened a bit, but it's not going to come off as the wine sweetness mm. like here different botanicals so this now instead of the white vermouth that tastes like Lillet Blanc built in this is going to be a red vermouth with like a Campari built in the more you drink does that mean the more your accent comes out because that was the first time the Jersey accent oh, I have a was Jersey. shown I feel like you know what it is I was raised on television my my uh, parents were uh, both full-time employees so I always feel like I talk like people on television. Oh, okay. Like tonight on nightly news. <laughs> you know. Uh, but yeah, I, I I sure hope so. I hope pe people know my roots. I have no shame. Born and raised in Jersey. Uh, the way you just said off, really off. Yeah, it was it was evident. Coffee, yeah. So very different. A lot more very bitter notes are coming yeah. through. Ooh, this is still can. I mean, it's still candied though. But on the nose. But now you're talking about. But I'm getting like a sweet cough syrup in a good way. Though. Yeah. yeah. This, so now you're talking about sh active sugar versus sure. wine sugars. That's much thicker. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just different botanicals that are in there. It's different wines that are in there as well. Um, and also, this has less alcohol percentage. More alcohol, thinner product. Mm. What is that? This the is 18. This is 17.5. Whoa. Whoa, I know. Hey, it matters, man. It, it matters to it me. It clearly matters. No, it matters it, yeah. to me. Yeah. Literally but made the, a difference. the sugar content also creates viscosity. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah that makes sense. So Are if you want to save a little bit, I could put the white in there too Ooh, if you want. Are there any, like, what's the legislation behind vermouth? Are there specific requirements for the, like, the distilling process or, or not the distilling process? Um, There are regulations that you have to fit. And there's a difference between vermouth, china china, or chinoa's, you know, uh, aromatized wines, mm -hmm. and Ameri Americano. Okay. Um, so they have to use a specific botanical. As far as I remember, this is going to be, um, this uses wormwood, mm. Artissima absinthium, and it's its own bittering agent. And so depending on the bittering agent you use, it's your category. Got it. Um, but also wine-based. Oh, okay. So, like, if you did everything you did here, but instead of wine, you're like, I'm just going to use vodka, it would be a different category. I gotcha. Yeah. Sure. This is very good. I like this. The combo. I like the combo a lot. Yeah. The, the straight uh, Inferno was a little too sweet for me, but this is, this to me, I, I like this combo a lot. Yeah. I mean, room temperature vermouth is also not the way it should sure. be appreciated. Right. Um, but for drinkability, absolutely. But again, refrigerate your vermouth for sure. 
It's, it's like a, it's a good move. It yeah. also helps chill the cocktail without diluting it with ice. Right, and that's that's kind of my go-to. I mean, not, I, I not saying I have a problem, but right, right, right. right. More bang for your buck. Yes. <laughs> Look, it's gonna be there's gonna be alcohol there no matter if it's gonna be six ounces or eight ounces. <laughs> that's just hydration. That's all, the only difference yes. is that. Yes. Yeah, just have a glass of water next. We're to you. Ju- yeah, we're just trying to help the headache, you know, or at least the sinuses on the back end the next day. Yeah. Because that's pretty much the worst part of a hangover after thirty. You're a histamine just like getting all sure I'm, you know the science behind it yeah, <laughs> yeah but yeah. like i'm talking like i wake up my sinuses hurt it's yeah. probably because i didn't drink enough water so i'm gonna give you what's the tip? two hacks two hacks here <laughs> and i'm the third hack probably um so number one my mario secret to going out every single night and drinking for a living if it wasn't my career <laughs> that wouldn't be the case um vitamin c so the people try to drink coffee and they try to sleep and time is really the only thing that's going to do it but here's the thing your liver is lazy. It breaks down simple sugars, complex carbohydrates, starches, and then alcohol. So what happens? I have a super fruity, super sweet drink. Well, my liver's like, okay, uh, white sugar, you're in. Complex carbohydrate, okay, you're in. Liquor, sorry, you're not making it to the club. And then the liquor's pissed, starts kicking out the trash cans. And the again, remember, like I said, the brain and the liver have the most amount of blood. So your, your alcohol in your blood is bouncing back and forth. So your brain's hurting, which runs the rest of your body, and then your liver's hurting too. And then the liquor gets to do it. That's why you need the time. But if you have your spirits kind of neat, it'll be much easier on your system because you won't have all those sugars ahead of time. So what you want to do is, uh, I guess you have, you have, so you have the vitamin C cleans your blood. So by the time that that liquor gets to the liver, it's much more easy to process and you have less of a hangover. So I take usually one, two if it's a crazy night, of, of emergency packets because they have B12, they have vitamin C, they clean up your system and you feel right as rain. So all my friends and family have borrowed that. That's after. Um, and sometimes you're like, oh, this is gonna be one of those nights I'm not gonna remember to have a glass of water before bed, so forget that. <laughs> then there's activated charcoal. Activated charcoal is supposed to um, absorb the alcohol in your system. And so what you do is you take it like an hour before you drink and then every hour after that you take it. And then you'd stop an hour or two and then you would take your emergency packet if you're going to do both. It works, but you feel very bloated. You're retaining a lot the next day, which I usually the vitamin C just helps me kind of just pee it out of my sure. system. So there's that. I mean, hydration is always important. You can use coconut water instead. It provides more hydration than regular water. And then you can also the things we eat when we're drunk, you should flip them before you go out drinking. You should be having your pizza and your mozzarella sticks because they get absorbed, broken down with the carbohydrates when they go to the liver and then you should be having steak and bacon after but we're usually like oh let's go out to a, a steak dinner we'll drink and i'm a craving you know disco fries at the end of the night <laughs> and it's if we flip that you'll feel so much better the next day it's easier on your system breakdown because remember this alcohol in your system having the steak and the bacon is just fat content and it'll break down a different way than having your liver to do extra work on the sugar so there you I mean, go. anytime you can tell me to eat more pizza, I'm all Yeah, poor, there you so. go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's the only way. <laughs> yeah. our, our Saturday literally just got planned for Hell us. yeah. I yeah. love that. Yeah. that. I want a whole day of drinking where it's like, okay, have this before a meal. Have a digestivo. Start your more. There's like breakfast things you can have. So, <laughs> Have you ever done that? Like planned your whole day around alcohol? I That is something that is. Uh, he just admitted it. No, no, no. That, I, that That's something that I've been planning for years. Oh, Like a breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Was it happening? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll, let, I'll invite you guys. Please yeah, do. Let you know. Please. Yeah. <laughs> so I have two things. I have a breakfast, lunch, and dinner that I want to do based off of alcohol, how you should have things in that order, and also a marathon. 
Oh yeah. Because like you should always finish your marathons with uh, beer because you rebuild the electrolytes, you get your carbohydrates and there's silica in there. So any minor fractions you got will be built up with the beer. So spirits oh. wouldn't work. Um, or it's really just like how much you have to drink to even do a marathon to begin with is really the other argument. Juan, is but that why a, at the end of marathons they go to breweries? Well, there's also 5Ks that are designed where they give you a beer at the end. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Is yeah. that why? You can re Yeah. I mean, the best thing to have before a race would be a Gosa because there's a lot of salinity in it. And the more you retain water, the more hydrated you can stay during your race. But you want to want like you could the night before you'd had big carbohydrate like uh, dark stouts because the carbohydrates give you the energy for the next day. Like I get oh, how much time do we got on this? Yeah, thing? right. We're, we're two yeah. skews in. Hold on. <laughs> so after the the wine and the the vermouth and everything like that, when did the scotch and like the the single malt aspect come into play? Yeah, uh, for for us and or historically. Yeah, for you guys oh. and historically, if you know. <laughs> um, of course he knows Yeah of course I know uh, For us it's it's always been um, The way that the book I did inherit some things when I came into the portfolio And those are making their way out And I'm building up something a little bit stronger And that makes sense and being unique um, I do need things that fit categories So there's always people looking for the next best scotch There's always people looking for the next best bourbon But you can burn out that bridge very quickly because I'm not the only one looking for another bourbon or another scotch. So I like having something as a placeholder, and that makes sense. But for me to have 20 of them, I'm competing against myself. Mm -hmm. You know, our consumers are based on getting wines. I'm focused on getting an international market. So I do have the Glen Turner, which is our single malt scotch. But I do have uh, the Moon Harbor, which is our single malt French whiskey. I have Conic, which is a single malt Irish whiskey. And then I have another brand, Nassau, coming on board, which is a single malt German whiskey. Ooh. And then eventually I'm looking to bring on a, band, a brand for Spain, maybe a brand for Italy, because I do love the craft market, and that's where I got my chops. Um, but we're an international company. Sure. We have international contracts. And we are able to bring in some things that maybe other people aren't just because of shipping alone. But we have containers coming every day from Italy and from uh, Spain and from France. And so I want to bring those things in, and that's my edge. Right. Like, so great. You are a big distributor and you've bought up every single distiller in Kentucky. Great. I'm going to be the only guy that has X, Y, Z of the single malt scotch. Mind you, everybody in the world drinks single malt scotch. So, you know, that means technically anybody can make it. Um, it's a matter of who incorporates what they incorporate. So like Glenn Turner, it's actually a brand that's been around since the 80s and 90s. Um, it's made at the... I guess I, I think I'm allowed to say that. Made of the same distillery as Glenmoray. When you go on their website, you see the Glenmoray stills. Like there's like, oh, okay. it says their name on it. So I should be okay. Um, so we have two. We have the uh, Heritage and we have the 12 year. So if you go to Addie's, the uh, 12 year is going to go for $39.99. Aged 12 years exclusively ex-bourbon. And then we have the um, Heritage, which is aged about eight years ex-bourbon. But they finish it in port cast. Mm. Um, and so what you get is what a lot of big houses are doing. Uh, Glenn Morangy, Glenn Livet, they're doing a lot of NAS, non-age statement, single malt scotches because, hey, why wait four more years when you could finish it? Because you'll never replace time. Time, whether it's an American or an international spirit that's aged, is really going to be the big influence. Just like you can make a bourbon in 24 hours. You can put staves, you can microwave it, you can vibrate it, whatever, and it'll be as, as jet black as this bottle. It just won't taste good. Sure. Mm -hmm. the way, what we breathe in is O2. Oxygen, O, is very reactive. 
So in your barrel, you have the vanilla molecule chain. O comes in and goes chop, chop, chop. So then you go, oh, this is coconut. This is cinnamon. This is, um, you know, like baking spice. And so you have now three different new flavor profiles thanks to oxygen, while the other vanilla one's still floating around that hasn't been broken mm -hmm. up yet. You'll never replace that. What oak has, oak has um, oak sugars, it has tannins, but that, does, that doesn't make a whiskey at the end of the day. Um, so you never replace time, but if you incorporate something like port, cherry, wine finish, you get to have more nuances and more notes in there sure. that would never be present in a regular distillation, regular fermentation, or regular uh, aging in your cooperage. So this could be younger expression, but we get a nice pop of port in here. So not to sound pretentious or anything, Michael, but I was in Scotland yeah, and uh, I went to <laughs> um, I went to Lagavulin and I was talking with Ian MacArthur, the head oh, very nice. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. awesome guy, and he was telling me an interesting topic of with the environmental conservation that's going on in the United States. There is the um, there's always been a will for us to not necessarily cut down more trees. And not cutting down more trees would mean potentially in the future us changing bourbon laws to account for non-first-time uh, new charred barrels, mm -hmm. which in turn would destroy the scotch market and a lot of single malt markets because they rely a lot on bourbon casks mm -hmm. to go over there. Have you heard of that, or what is your perception of that? I found it super fascinating because, I mean, we hear it all the time of environmental conservation. Yeah. We're losing trees and all that stuff. How old do you guys think bourbon is? Oh, Jesus. I mean, it's got to be 500 years old. Well, Old Forester was one of the first. Yeah, but I mean, that's but legally. That's, yeah, correct. But that's like, so if you predate the the known story of bourbon, I mean, corn was... It's got to be 1,000 years old. Well, I would say, uh, I, think it, I think it's going to revolve around corn. So... 16, 17? Okay. Hundreds? Okay. 1,200. Okay. Bourbon, as we know it, as we define it, 1964. Right. 1964. What happened was... Yeah, but, like, that's that's the bourbon story. That's the like, bourbon story. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. but before that... But the thing is, what the brands are following nowadays, that yeah. they're pumping all their money in, and regulation for new cooperage, mm -hmm. 1964. It's ridiculous. <clears throat> what happened is, you have World War One. Stills are broken down. They're used for parts, or they make fuel. Okay. World War II, same thing happens. Korean War comes out in the 1950s. Mm -hmm. Oh, so someone gets a bright idea. Okay, if I buy up all the whiskey in the U.S., um, then I'll be the only one. They're going to break down the stills for the Korean War. And then well, actually what happened between World War I um, Prohibition and World War II is a lot of uh, whiskey makers forgot really the process. It generationed out. And so he goes, great, I'm going to buy up all the inventory. And when the war's over, I'm going to be the richest bastard in the U.S. <laughs> Korean War comes, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Nothing happens to the distilleries. Well, now you're looking at somebody that has 60 to 70% of all the inventory in the U.S. Which is MGP. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Here's the origin of MGP. <laughs> and, so, uh, and so what happens is, and this is historically documented, he invites a bunch of senators to his house. They all leave in brand new cars. 1964, legislation for bourbon is... Uh, at least 51% corn. So if you had 50% corn, you're out. Brand new charred barrels. Um, has to be uh, has to be aged in the U.S., you know, like all government, all this protected stuff. But the thing is, the lumber lobby got in for the new charred barrels every single time. So that guy had all the inventory, and the lumber lobby's like, can you help me out? And he's like, yeah, sure. So 1964, and again, we had the bicentennial about 10 years later. 
bourbon becomes a national spirit. Why? Because the senators are all backing it up. You never see a senator back up vodka or gin or anything <laughs> right. like that. But this is a national spirit. We have designation. You can't make it anywhere else in the world. You can have Alaskan and Hawaiian bourbon. Some people don't think it's only Kentucky. It's not. It's anywhere in the U.S. Mm -hmm. um, and Thank so, you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The amendment. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so with bourbon, it's like, yeah, bourbon, as we know, it's really only been around 70 years. Um, and that's because of legislation. It's war, politicians, or excess of whatever you know as long as there's deep pockets to be had it'll redefine anything you do that's why we have issues with mezcal and tequila and bourbon mezcal was just a definition of any agave distilled spirit in mexico but then someone's like well, we can make a lot of money if we just say it's from here and then the people in mexico now have to call it agave distilled spirit mm -hmm. they called it mezcal for 200 years it's it's kind of crazy where that's like documented history and it's great to know because I didn't know that it was just a bunch of senators hanging out trying to like hash it all out. A guy who is rich is bribing senators to make it happen and the lumber lobby. So right. when you say new barrels, as far as I know, every time a tree is cut down for cooperages to make their barrels for American bourbon, other ones are planted. Mm -hmm. It's never a, a never a wash. And if you ever go to the Jack Daniels distillery, you'll see it's surrounded by trees. It's not it's not going anywhere anywhere fast. And so so that the I'm not worried about the conservation of that. 90% of the barrels for Scotland are Jim Beam and Jack Daniels because it's new cooperage every single time. And you have to pass it off and they get broken down to staves. They get shipped overseas. They get built up again and they make those barrels a little bit bigger. So we use 53 gallons. They use 63 gallons because the angles still make you have it a little bit bigger. Um, so I'm really not worried about it because Scotch has had no problem surviving. We do have categories of used barrels like corn whiskey is not allowed to use new char barrel. They're only allowed to use used cooperage or uncharred cooperage. Um, and also, like, the brandy we have in the U.S., the rum we have in the U.S., that's all used cooperage. That still kind of exists. But as far as I know, I, I, I'm almost positive all the big houses are planting trees to make sure that they have sustainability for hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, you know, it's a really big country, and we only see so much. But we do have regions we focus on. So Michigan has a lot of white oak, cold climate. The colder it is, the tighter the rings, the more flavor. And then you have the uh, Ozarks, uh, I think it was, is that Missouri or something like that? Yeah, it's Missouri. They, they use a lot of that oak as well. Um, and also international. You know, the reason Scotland and all those countries have to use our cooperage is they're small. It's a small island. Uh, and they, you know, the English tried to conquer every country on the planet. And so all that wood went to boats and now they got nothing. And that's on you guys. Um, and also not every type of oak is applicable. Um, and not, you know, like... Uh, you're allowed to use oak for American cooperage. It doesn't specify American oak. It doesn't specify white oak. You can't actually use French oak barrels. But the thing is, to get a brand new 53-gallon charred American oak barrel, maybe it's like 600 bucks. But to get the same thing from France. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. 
every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It should be $1,700. So obviously I'm going to use American. Yeah, and the, the other element too, <clears throat> which is what we found out in Ireland, is the roads are so narrow because a family owns the land that goes right to the road. And the country owns the road, and then everything outside of it is private. And it's owned by a family because it's all farmland. And when it's an island, you don't have that much room. So you can't just, like, take it back when it's privately owned. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's the other massive key to it where, yes, they used it for boats, of course, for, like, conquistadors and all the craziness. But it's also because then the families were like, I'm going to buy this lot, this lot, this lot, Mm. keep it, and then, you know, use it for farmland. And it completely changed the landscape of both Scotland and Ireland because now you have right-hand drive, really small, really narrow cars driving in what we call one lane, they call two-lane roads, and you're, like, stressing out driving around. And it's because literally it's a stone wall next to the road. There's no shoulder. It's lane and then the stone wall and then private land, Mm -hmm. and they own it all. And it's just super narrow roads because the government can't buy it back, which they could potentially. I mean, if the government, which they won't, but – it's a huge cash cow. Like spirits in general is a massive cash cow, and I, it's I don't paying know, Scotland's a, bills. If Scotland stopped making scotch, they would probably fall off the map. A hundred percent. And even look at like Greece, where they had their massive financial tank. Mm. They still produce a lot of things. Like wines are huge there. Oh, their wines are incredible. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, I mean Santo Wine is one of the best wineries that I've ever experienced in my mm. life. So you can still buy daddies free shout out but it's it's fascinating that that's that's an option and then you realize that there's so many intricacies that go behind it and at the end of the day like people just want spirits and then the countries are sitting there they're like okay booze and tourism pay every bill we've ever had export the the better you can do it and the pandemic proved it because then you see those same countries being the first ones to kind of like loosen it and just like hey come back yeah because like we need money (laughs) yeah italy was at one point like we'll pay you to live here for correct yeah have you guys ever had metaxa no no what is is a greek liqueur but they make it with rose hips it's totally, totally <laughs> solid. It's delicious. It's it's like it definitely brings out the degenerate in you. It's a little bit sweetened, but it's like a rose hip version of like a, like a chartreuse or another liqueur like oh, okay. that. Um, there's like a three, five, seven star. So every culture has their distillate. They have yeah. something that makes sense. Some take a little bit farther, higher ABV. Some don't. Um, but literally, like any country that like, oh, okay, this botanical grew off a rock on the side of the road. Okay, I'm gonna add it to. Um, neutral spirit and then add sugar and everybody's got one it's it's crazy i uh my honeymoon was in greece his was in scotland oh, nice. and the the there was a winery at the island that we were staying at and which we, island it was falling gondros okay so i went to zach and thos and i went to crete i think nice and then like athens obviously but that was like right. one day and i like mm-hmm. i nearly get robbed so i was like okay i'm ready, I'm ready to book <laughs> makes, <laughs> makes sense yeah we we went santorini falangandro santorini and mm. stayed at different hotels each time and the um the falangandros had a winery that was family owned and we went there for just a tasting get a flight watch the sunset relax after we like hung out all day on the beach very very hard day and oh, yeah. the the guys running the winery were like we're working tomorrow like we're gonna you know bottle like yeah like we're harvesting like you know we're popping barrels like you can come in and like work with us and i'm literally looking at my wife she's like it's the honeymoon like please don't work and i was like when else in my life am i ever gonna work for a greek winery timing didn't end up making sense i had to go to breakfast 
but it was <laughs> I had to stay married yeah, yeah. So I, I was like it's fine I'll fast it up I, I, I traveled around I wish I knew the name of the winery I traveled around one of the islands and we just like oh winery's open we went in like hey can we try the wine and like we're actually not open they invite us into their house the grandmother's there watching the kids the husband is actually the one who replaces Byzantine artwork from like the Come on. 15, 1400s, his floor had a rolling canvas where you pulled it out of the ground and it'd go up to seven feet and it'd be just one figure that he was replacing on a church domed ceiling. That's insane. And I'm like, and you make wine and this wine's delicious. <laughs> and his wife's like, oh, I wish I did more ballet in the city. And so like me and my ex at the time were like, come to New York City, like we'll, <laughs> fuck, we'll take care of you, please. Like you were totally awesome. So, um, so I mean, it was, it's this incredible type of, of culture out there. Yeah, the hospitality is ridiculous. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. So speaking of other countries, we have uh, French single malt oh, here. Uh, we do. I imagine yeah, the Glen Torre is good because I heard no complaints. Bring, so. it, bring yeah. it back to I work. Imagine this is Listen, thing, yeah. I'm a professional, Mike. <laughs> so we have Moon Harbor, and I'm going to be 100% honest, French single malt. I've had one, and I was not very pleased. So I'm hoping that, was, that this is very Does good. it start I, with a B? It does start with a B. end with an any? Yeah. <laughs> And you shouldn't have any thoughts? in your cabinet. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you're I'm not, not a fan? It's made my job harder. Has that, it? Oh, yeah. So the thing is, they had they had such a pull on the market. They spent a lot of money. The packaging is not bad. Right. No, that, that was our highest rating. And, um, and also the price point is mm. kind of aggressive. It's not aggressive. I should say the price point is not advantageous. And then I had it years and years ago before I knew to work for a French company. And I was like, oh, this is not palatable right and i've also <laughs> and it tastes also, like bubble gum i was so off put yeah I, I don't know what they do and it, and 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 no disparity to them because the more successful they are the more successful i can sure. be um i'm just not a fan but you know every every country has skews that work and like you know like hey i like glenn turner i don't love famous grouse you know mm -hmm. like there's right. there's always going to be the bad seed in the bunch um I think this makes Throwing a little bit more grouse sense. right under the bus. Yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> Kill that bird. <laughs> uh, no, so like Moon, Moon Harbor is going to be at is going to be at Addie's. Um, we're actually only getting 500 cases to the U.S. So oh, this wow. is one of the very. This is probably the only bottle open in New York State right now. Uh, it's going to be 42.99. You know, like gift box and all that BS. But really, it's a quality of spirit. No, I mean like, look. Well, it, right. Yeah. It, it, it's, like it's kind if, of the same. If you can't drink it, I can't sell it, right? So what? This is what makes sense. So the region of Bordeaux is called the Aquitaine. And so they actually grow 100% of the malted barley there in that region. Hmm. The distillery is in an abandoned World War II Nazi submarine bunker. They built three fake roofs on it. So if one of them had gotten bombed, it would collapse onto another fake roof and they'd be fine. <laughs> There's three docks there. That's awesome. It's a, so they take 100% uh, malted barley grown exclusively in Bordeaux. It's distilled in, in the port of Bordeaux. So it, not that anybody can see it, but there's something called the Port de la Lune. The, the flag of Bordeaux is three crescent moons. And there's even like a little marker showing you where that bunker is. And the, the bunker is where they built the subs. No, the bunkers is where like subs would be hubbed at. Docked? It would be docked. And they would okay. keep a lot of oil drums too, whether they go to the submarines or to the tanks. Okay. So they, they had like, uh, they didn't use all three docks. It was like for like storage and stuff like that. 100% malted barley, distilled right in the heart of Bordeaux. And they uh, mm. age exclusively in Bordeaux Premier Grand Cru casks. So if you guys are familiar with single malt scotches, you're only allowed to use a maximum of 700 liters on the barrel size. In the U.S., you can have a 10,000-gallon cask as long as it's charred. Um, for this, they use 225-liter sauternes casks. Smaller uh, barrel, more surface area, quicker turnaround time. So you're getting good color even though it's five years only. 
and it's all sauternes. So it's gonna be unlike anything you had. Most people do X bourbon to start off with, or X scotch, or X wine, or something like that. And instead, and this is forty three dollars. Yeah, which is fascinating. Oh no, it's it's a total gift. But here's the thing. So the company I work for, Monsieur Touton, is run by is owned and ran and started by a gentleman named Guillaume Touton. His sister-in-law was the one that got them hooked up with the bunker. Mm. They said, we want a distillery in downtown Bordeaux. They're like, great, rents $30,000 a month. So they basically just laughed at them. And they go, look, we got this 80-year-old building that no one has touched. Would you be interested? And they're like, yeah, sure. They're like, it's right on the port. They're like, great. Because they can get their grains shipped in easier, ship out mm -hmm. product easier. They go in there. The jackets, the boots, all that Nazi stuff is still in there. No way. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm like, yeah, they burnt it, right? And then um, <laughs> it's like if I go to French eBay, what's on there? Um, and so they have honored the agreement because we got them the – well, my, the owner of the company got them the facility. But they have German, uh, Italian, Spanish tour guides because in Europe it's such a draw because that spunker hasn't been opened that 80 years. So it's one of the only ones that exist around. And also, this is a distillery there. So they make about five or six SKUs now, and they have some really interesting stuff. And they're like, no, you get the one. And I'm like, okay. So they gave us three, and we're like, great, we want these two. And they're like, we can't do the two. We used to do one, so this is my favorite. 100% malted barley, all sauterne, five years aged, right in Bordeaux. Um, and it's just really special. It's unlike any other single malt you've had. And 100%. Like, this I, is 100% aged in sauterne from yep, start to finish? the only thing. No, no bourbon, no, no Tennessee whiskey, no nothing, just sauterne. They want it as Bordeaux as possible. They want to respect and appreciate the region for what it is. This tastes like wine, but with that like whiskey kick. This is unbelievably good, and if you've ever had a wine-finished whiskey, mm -hmm. this doesn't compare. Like This is a wine whiskey. There's, so this is the technically third Sauturn product I've had in my life. Okay. I, to me, Sauturn has a literal taste to it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Where you can just, you can smell it mm -hmm. and then you can taste it and you're just like, Sa is Sauturn? Yeah. Like, is there Sauturn elements in yeah. this? Like, there's, it's got it and it's just such a nice candy note. Mm. Um, we did a single barrel that was fin it was an Irish whiskey finished in a sauterne barrel. Oh, nice. Okay. And then that was probably awesome. It was amazing. Yeah. It was one fourteen proof. It was incredible. Yeah. Addie's actually still has the only out of three hundred eighteen. We're down to seven total bottles. Jesus. Okay. So not saying, just saying. Um, and then if you're yeah, there's seven listeners out there. Yes. And if you're in the state of New York, they can ship it right to your door. Oh, but, beautiful. Yeah. Um, the and then the Glen Meringue. Sauterne. Yeah, yeah. yeah Glen Morangi uh, Sauterne finish was amazing. And then this. It's probably a million dollars, too. So. I, no. It was 60. It was 60? 60. Okay, yeah, nice. Okay. Yeah, and honestly, I mean, I would be fine with both in a collection between that and this. Yeah. This is super good. This is just a full sense of place. What's the proof on this? This is 45 points. So 90-ish? Yeah, 91.6. But okay. again, you have to remember, this compared to our Irish whiskey and the... Glamorangi. This is 100% aged in a sauterne barrel. Yeah. It's so, from start to it's finish. Just you fresh. have such it taste great like tastes. No. Stop it. <laughs> it. Yeah, it doesn't taste like bubble gum. Yeah, nice job. Yeah, you yeah, can fetch yeah, yourself yeah, on the yeah, back yeah, for yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah just, send the check in the mail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
um, you know, like it's it's a sense of place and it's it's not pretending to be a single malt scotch. Mm-hmm. It wants to be a Bordeaux product through and through. Um, so they're very serious about their craft. They they have a bunch of people support them. We're going to be the only ones to have them in the U.S. And I'm only getting 500 cases. So it kind of makes it special. I already have my order in, so I get mine when Which, the time comes. Which, this is only at Addie's in New York? Uh, or Lexi's, because they have the two properties. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, so as far as I understand, so far... And then if people start getting the orders, but they're the ones who really jump on it and sure. really understand it and respect. Good for them. Right. I mean, it's just the price is going to be definitely the most affordable. One hundred percent. I, I mean, they got to be. We should really talk to them. Yeah. Like, yeah. hide this. Like, because yeah. it's gonna, it's gonna go yeah. immediately. So it's only available beyond this one is only available overseas with only U.S. person. So one of our accounts looked it up and they're like, "Oh, they're selling it for a hundred bucks. I'm going to sell it for a hundred. And it's like. Nah, it's like it's ad is gonna be selling for sixty bucks cheaper. Like you're gonna look silly selling it at a hundred. You look like you're gouging, right. right? You know, and that's not what I don't want. I want the people who get it to get a bottle or a couple bottles or give it as a gift hmm. and, and recognize it for what it is, sure, mm-hmm. and how awesome and special. And also, a, a submarine bunker is fantastic for aging because sure. it's cool, temperature controlled. The walls were as wide as, are as wide as a bus of concrete. They had to spend about ten days drilling so they can bring their equipment in. It's not like they oh. had like nautical stuff to like go into the thing. <laughs> so they had to drill in it so they can get their stills and barrels and all that stuff without having headaches. But they had to drill for ages. Um, and so they really care about their product as well. And they and they did it in per- They could have made this a fantastic product anywhere. They want to do it in Porto. Mm-hmm. They want to do it in the Port de la Lune, you know? Um, and they're also French people, so they want to be respective of their country. But m- mind you, there's nothing else out there. So my biggest compliment with this is when people say, it's a great whiskey, not a, it's a great for a French sure. whiskey. Yeah. You know. So I'm in, I'm very interested in other country make on other countries making their own single bald. I'm a huge fan of trying different, like scotch, Irish whiskey, French whiskey, mm. it, uh, whiskey from India, Japanese whiskey, oh, like yeah. all that stuff. It, it really, it gets me excited because now you're starting to see different countries create their own legislation around that. Like mm. J- Japan just did earlier last year, August, April last year, I think. Yeah, so it's like now it's voluntary, and then I think 2026 or in that area, it'll become mandatory. So some people are on board and they're doing it, and some people are just going to fake it because, you know, they're taking in, for those who don't know, taking in product from Scotland. Mm -hmm. Once it leaves Scotland, it's just considered whiskey, and then they're just rebottling it, whether they proved it down or not, or whether they finished it in something else or not. They weren't doing the work, but they were bottling it. It was just like, you know, Scotland was just being the MGP of of Japan, you know? So Japan. I, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly, it has to be with Mizanara oak barrels. Uh, so here's the thing with Mizanara. Mizanara is fantastic. Uh, there's really great bands out there. Caillou really uses Mizanara well. There's a lot of big houses like Crown Royale and Doers, and they do it for like three months and six months. Mm-hmm. It is a tighter grain of oak. It leaks more. It's also really not tangible. But Mizanara, to be awesome, has to be six to nine years. But you get Palo Santo. You get sandalwood. You get all these nuances you never get. And I and I really like the sense of place of it, but you can't have all these brands pivot when they can just get barrels from California. Sure. And so, um, and like I said, uh, the way the it's like almost like a bonsai tree. Mizanora trees are really gnarly, so they're also really hard to like kind of bend. Mm. So I don't know if Mizanora is mandatory. I think it's an awesome influence on stuff, but to go to Japanese companies and be like, you can only use that. Come on. Sure. Like Scotland doesn't use Scottish wood. They don't use other Scotch barrels to use that. Right. They they bring in port from Portugal. They bring in Madeira from uh, you know the the island. They bring in a bourbon from the U.S. It's like don't handcuff them. But again, they should use their own distillate mm-hmm. with their own stills. They should use their own water sources. And I think they still have a quality product. I don't know about the Mizanora thing. I'm not against it. 
but the aging for it to be good, sure. you're going to hurt the market by putting out two-year-old Mizanoro. So do you think, in your opinion, what is the next country to create their own legislation? Is it France? Do you think it's India? So the, U, the European Union already has its legis legislation. The way that Scotch works, it falls into that legislation mm -hmm. with a few more things that are mandatory. Right. But Irish single malt, Scotch single malt, French, Spanish, and uh, German single malt, they have to follow the U EU standard. 100% malted barley, single distillery, oh. aged three years. Scotch is just a very specific one to that country. Sure. So do I think they're going to create German scotch or Spanish scotch? I don't know. And they don't have to because they're still fitting the standards. Um, but other countries like India, um, they could like India, Taiwan. Um, there's a lot of Asiatic countries doing it. That climate is perfect for it, like Korea and stuff like that. And they could probably tighten up legislation there. Just like just a, a little bit more sure. snug. Um, some people respect the way that it has to be made and just do it exactly the same way Scotland does it. And some people don't. Um, and so to protect your consumer, that's all what it's all about. Mm -hmm. uh, what is it? Uh, 1896 is the or 1897 is the safe, safe uh, uh, bottled and bond act in the U.S. Mm -hmm. The U.S. government says. Your, your bourbon has to be in, in, um, in a uh, government-protected warehouse. has to be 50% ABV. Um, has to be aged um, four years. Has to be XYZ. And then nine years later, they go, you know what? We should take talcum powder out of white bread. Bourbon was the safest thing you could consume in the U.S. for nine years because uh, bread, milk, all these things were not regulated. They could add whatever they wanted to it. You're just poisoning people because it makes you more money. Sorry. I'm sorry. Like, you know, Wonder Bread doesn't make me as much money as, as bourbon does. Correct. And Wonder Bread is literally a pastry. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. Like, we'll just call it what it is. Yeah. It's a dumpster fire. So I think some other governments, I think once they tighten up regulation, they can really get throughput. Mm -hmm. um, some countries are embracing different things. So. Great. India is really focused on whiskey. They're also the number one buyer of like Johnny Walker Black and stuff like that. Um, Japan, huge whiskey community. But, you know, there's still sake and sochu that have a place. Baiju out of China. You know, don't forget your cultural heritage just to emulate something where the money is. Yeah, um, where you can make a better product of what you have and then have a global footing than being like, I'm scotch from somewhere else. Um, Spain is huge on gins. You know, there are some um, really great um, distilleries out there. Uh, for whiskey, but their real their main focus on is on um, is on gin. Portugal is the same way; they focus on port a lot, but they have some distilleries out there now making some solid whiskeys. I get it. Follow the money, and you should have that. But don't forget your heritage, because that is how you communicate to the rest of the world. Sure. You know, we have our bourbon, and that's fine. And you know, like I want it to be that. Like, no, this is the influence that Japan or China or Taiwan or or Portugal or France or Spain has on the U.S. consumer because we are a melting pot of a country. Sure. Mm -hmm. um, and also for the people that they have in-house. So, like I said, do both. Don't forget the lab. Don't forget where your roots were. Right. So, going what, to... Yeah, 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 let's keep moving. What, yeah. What, what are the roots on this? So, this is the first time I've ever seen single estate on a bottle. Mm. Is this a new term that's coming out? It's it, well, it's not it's not one of those uh, legally protected terms. Okay. But uh, the focus on the single estate is actually because Filibuster is a Virginia distillery, family-owned. Um all the grains come from one farm in the Shenandoah Valley in Virginia. So it's going to be uh, corn, wheat, oh no, sorry, corn, rye, wheat, and barley. Um, it's aged a minimum of four years in brand new um, charred cooperage. They're actually on an 80 yard limestone 
uh, bed. So all that great water that comes from um, Kentucky or comes from Tennessee is the same water in there. Having limestone rich or, or kind of base water lets you have a better expression of the acids and the fats that are present in your bourbon. So we are talking about bourbon. It's more, 50, more than 51% corn in there. This is going to be cast strength, and it hides it really, really well. There's no specialty finishing going on here. Um, and what's great about this is they also give you, you know, fermentation time, the proof it went into the barrel. So this fermented for 72 hours. So fermented for um, three days. Um, this has uh, 120 proof it was put in, but this is a 110 proof. Oh, cool. Yeah. So what happens is that your alcohol evaporates, mm -hmm. and so the water volume volume stays the same. So it goes down. You have less volume, but you get different levels of extraction with how much water or spirits. I think there. that's the first bottle I've ever seen that level of detail on. Like it was agreed. bottled at this. Yeah, agreed. This that's a nice touch. Yeah, really cool. Yeah, Thank they you. they really care. They know what they're doing. They actually used to have a um, a liquor store, and they're just reached that point where like we can do it better, and it's three brothers and a dad. And uh, the brothers are really more, much more involved. Uh, but it is just a solid spirit. It hides the alcohol way too well. Um, and you can get something like this at Addy's, $49.95. You know, American bourbon at cast strength for 50 bucks. I mean, kill it. That's so dangerous. This got that. Is this high rye? Yes. The, high, yeah. the rye is the second most mashable. Let's see. On you this can taste one. that. Yeah. You can taste that high rye. They do, uh, if they... If they're okay with that or not, uh, it's five percent wheat or five percent malted barley, and then the rest will be you know more more than fifty one percent corn and then rye. Um, but they they just have that just the wheat and the you always need malted barley for fermentation. Um, so the wheat is really just to bring out some more of the character. Sometimes you just gotta t it's like the ice cube in your in your glass. You need to tone down some of it so you can l let other parts shine. Have you ever had a stressful day, not regarding work, but just like a day? And you go home and you're like, I'm going to have a drink just to kind of decompress from everything that I just experienced for the last like 13 hours. Yeah. You make the drink and then you sip it and you're just like, okay, I'm having a drink, you know, in like an hour I'll feel better. If you have this after that same day and you take your first sip, it's just like, hey, man. And it literally grabs you by the traps yeah. and it forces you into a chair yeah. and it tells you it's going to be okay. Yeah. The day's over with. Super like challenge. we're now having a drink. <laughs> yeah. This literally tells you it's time to have a drink. Yeah. And then the rest of nothing else matters. This is super smooth. Mm. It's hot in a good way. Yeah. And it reminds you like, hey, man, I'm not going to destroy your esophagus, but I'm going to remind you that the day's over with yeah. and we're just going to survive together. Yeah. Me and you. I'm only making you stronger. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like it's, this it's a, is weakness leaving the body. And it's and it's a gear shift from the scotches. You know, the scotches serve their own point. Mm -hmm. But this this whiskey is almost like a cigar. Like take the next ninety minutes off. Yes. You're just gonna mellow out. Exactly. Yeah. This is needed. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know, a Tuesday in my world. I am so down. I mean, it is Thursday, so we're doing. This good. is needed on yeah. a Thursday. Friday, Friday Eve. Eve. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Friday Eve. <laughs> But the so, thing is, it hides the alcohol so well. And they do everything themselves. It's not like MGP and then mm -hmm. repackaged and relabeled. Not that, honestly, not that there's anything wrong, um, but not everything out of MGP is gold. Like, there are brands sure. that I'm like, what barrel did you pick? You're always yeah. good. Right. And Correct. then other ones, it's like, this is MGP. And I'm like, oh, I like MGP. I'm like, not that one. Right. Yeah. yeah. So um, Does but this distillery create nice. more products? Yeah. Other than this? So um, I'm a huge fan of this one, the single estate, personally. Good. Also, I like Castron. Um, they also make a bourbon that's dual cask, which means it's aged four years in new cooperage, 
but finish in red wine and white wine from Virginia wineries. Mm. They have a rye that follows the same format. They have one called the Boondoggler, which is, it's not categorically anything. It's 40% corn, 40% rye, 10% malted barley. So they're not 51%. And then they age it in two white wine barrels, two red wine barrels, and a sherry barrel. They what? literally found the fence, yeah. and they're like, I'm just going to ride right, this thing. Yeah, Because <laughs> a boondoggler means to do something unnecessarily extra, just like a filibuster is. You know, They always mm-hmm. take too much time, and they're extra about that. So they wanted to make something that was uh, affordable, that made sense. But the thing is, you know, at the $49.95 price point, you're talking about something that's really much more accessible for your cocktails. So I want this quality. But I want to mix it with something. I would never mix this. No, Absolutely. not at yeah. all. No. Oh, my goodness. That's an insult. Yeah. So they want to make something that you could mix. So that's why they came up with that one. Some people can't handle cast strength. That's why they made the dual cast for the rye and the bourbon. Sure. What do those come out as? Are those 80 or around there? Uh, yeah. I think they're yeah. right on the nose for 80 or or, uh, or 90. Yeah. So they released a bottle and bond that we only got 10 cases for the state of New York. Five years aged, 50% alcohol, you know, following everything, mm-hmm. bottle and bond, one year extra. Gorgeous. And every year they're going to do a different release for that Baldwin Bond with a different colored wax. This one was like a white wax. It looked like the white Power Ranger. It was fantastic. It, New York got how many? Ten cases. Yeah, and Utah probably got like 640. Not, no, it no, makes no, like no, no. no sense. No, 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 no. No, It was ten cases for every state. That's how it worked out. Okay. They only had limited inventory on it, but it was so good. And so they submitted that for a competition. They won Best Bourbon Outside of Kentucky. But that bottle and bond was, I, I mean, like, I, I, if even if I brought it, it's like no one could get it anyway, right? So it's like, I'm not going to tease you guys. Are they single barrel? This one is. Yeah, yeah that's why they call it the single yeah. estate. Uh, but the other ones are going to be blends for the bourbon, the rye, and the, and the bourbon. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, sure. But, you know, it's it's something special. The bottle of bond being aged like one year longer, having that 50% alcohol, oh, it was it was gorgeous. Coveted. That, that needs to be in the uh, in the personal collection. Oh, yeah, there Don't you talk go. Talk to Addie's about how many cases are getting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, bring a big razor to get the hair off your chest if you have one <laughs> yeah. of these bad boys. So these last two products, they're a little bit more of a specialty, right? Mm-hmm. We're talking about liqueurs. Um, and, and where they make sense, again, digestivos. We're talking about sugar content to aid digestion. You wanna wanna start your meal here. A combination of these two are gonna give you an espresso martini. Um, we're gonna go one at a time, but they are very special in their own way, okay? So first we have Wild Arbor. It is a plant-based, dairy-free, gluten-free cream liqueur. And so you're gonna be, it's gonna have the same flavor and aroma as like a Bailey's, but it's 2% more alcohol, it's half the calories, and what they do is there's viscosity to it. So when you're making espresso martini, you're going to get a lot of foam and a lot of stuff going on. But, you know, there's a reason that Starbucks has 11 milks. There's either dietary <laughs> health or religious restrictions for having dairy. Yep. And they're just trying to, it, it sounds bad to capitalize on that, but they're trying to hit a market that's being ignored. Because this isn't coming from Ireland in a container, hot and cold. What are they putting in there that's going to keep it preserved? Um, so, like I said, more ABV, half the calories. You don't have to have any kind of dairy issues, and you don't have to refrigerate it. Um, so we're going to go into this. It's going to have that kind of um, chocolate, caramel, coconut, chocolate malt thing um, that Bailey's has. And what's really cool about it is like it's it's got body to it, but it's not Wait, sweet. Why is it clear? Yeah, it's clear. Yeah. Why? It that. looks like water. Yeah, no, no, what no. Is, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> so what happened? So what had happened was. Yeah. Um, so they take their neutral distillate, which is a sugar cane distillate. Like again, we're talking about Everclear, but being made from sugar instead of grains. Sure. Uh-huh. So that just means ninety-five percent distillation. That's only five percent of anything else. And then what they do is they cook 
oats. So you know when you make oatmeal and you get that gluey stuff on top? Yeah. They strain that so it still stays gluten-free, but it creates viscosity and body. So the aroma stay in there. What? What's the proof of this? 19.75. So 2% more than Bailey's, which is 17. 19.75. ABC, ABV. ABV. Yeah, so like it'd be, was it so, so like 40 proof. 39.5, yeah, 39.5. That is so good. And to me, one of the interesting things about like this cream liqueur and stuff like that is a lot of people put it in a um, non-translucent bottle because looking at something creamy on yeah. the shelf at a liquor store kind of is off. And they probably separate when they're in the bottle. Sure, so. yeah. But this is, obviously this is not, trend, like it, you can see through it because it's clear. You can see what you're getting, yeah. yeah. And then that's the point, you know. Like I said, you're, you're cutting down the alcohol. You're not having that cream. Um, you're not additives. And, of course, they plant a tree every time a bottle is sold too, which is nice. Can we, okay. Yeah, they do. I mean, I, I understand. That's yes, that's very gotta nice. Gotta get that CO2 emissions <laughs> offset. You gotta so, get that credit, that tax credit. You know what's crazy is the bottom is is translucent. Uh, for, from a marketing standpoint, yeah. it's genius. Yeah. Because you can see the bottom, and you're like, that's what it looks like. But then you taste the top of the bottle. Yeah. If that makes sense, because that's literally if. It, it should be flipped. Yeah, it should be flipped. It's like almost like a Cadbury egg in mm-hmm. a liqueur. It's 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 creamy. It's rich. It's not that sweet. It tastes just like Bailey's, um, and you don't have to worry about uh, being in the bathroom for a while. So that's really the the, the the big win at the end of the day. But you can incorporate this into your um, you know your espresso martini and other stuff. I would love to add it to whiskey just because there's already some chocolatey and some caramel notes in, in whiskey. They make two other uh, labels. They have a cinnamon cardamom. Which I love using with like a reposado tequila, sure. mm. taking those spice notes that are present in tequila using cinnamon cardamom. Uh, it's not as much as chai; it's more closer to kind of big red, um, but not in a bad way. And then we have the uh, cherry almond. Again, you can use all three of them for espresso martinis, but tiki cocktails. So where you can use instead of using grenadine and orgeat and people who have nut allergies, you can use a cherry almond, which is just a cherry flavor and the almond flavor, so you don't have to worry about any type of reaction. Sure. And you can do kind of like funky rum, funky um, agricole cocktails, um, and add body. Sure. Um, and like I said, you know, like I said, the, the sweetness doesn't overwhelm it, and they're, they're all fantastic. Um, but espresso martini is like the home run with this thing. It's like everybody's hooked to it. And someone's like, but Mario, why do people like espresso martini so much, especially after COVID? And I'm like, oh, because they would have coffee mugs for their Zoom phone calls and pretend to be drinking coffee, and there was booze in there. <laughs> you know, so like, I think that's really what it is at Listen, the end of the day. Don't give away my secrets. Yeah, I'm sorry, you know. <laughs> sorry for those at-home workers. Yeah. I mean, Wild Auburn Solid, it's $27.99 at Addy's. Um, I'm really accessible. It's more affordable than most of those other brands out there. Um, and like I said, you can, you can play with it in a lot of different ways, but this one is just like... It's a gimme. It's just yeah. super tasty. So what about this last one now? Yeah. Griffo? E- Ecuador? No, no. Equator. Equator, dude. Jeez. Come on, man. Yo, chill. There was a glare. He's had too much. He's there was a glare, much. and we've been going hard. Okay. So luckily, the, um, there's Equator. caffeine actually in this, so it'll help uh, Mike out here a little bit. Maybe. So, uh, so Probably Gri- not. Griffo is actually <laughs> Mike and Jenny Griffo. Uh, they're out of Petaluma, California. It's in Sonoma County. They're actually across the road from um, Lagunitas Brewery. Oh, okay. interesting. Yeah, yeah. So they make a lot of cool stuff. But this is Equator coffee that they use. Organic, fair trade, mocha java blend of coffee. And what they do is the same day the beans are roasted, 
they actually make them into cold brew and add it to their distillate. Equator oh, Coffee is actually the first go. fair trade oh, coffee yeah. roaster yeah. in California, which yeah. says a lot for California. Well, now Derek's all excited, so <laughs> here we go. I love coffee. It's uh, it's two grams of sugar per ounce. Uh, of, you know, like a brand from Australia is going to be seven grams. A brand from Mexico is going to be eleven. Twenty-five percent ABV. How do you know then? that? Oh, where did that come from? You got to know your enemies, man. Uh, but it's yeah. So family again, a family-run thing. It's funny because they have to take the child kit, the the kid seats out of the minivan to put the bags of coffee beans in there. And they're like, it's a best mile drive. I didn't know where you were going with that because I thought <laughs> yeah. you were going to be like, they got to take out the child care. Yeah, they got to pay for this coffee. <laughs> yeah. uh, so twenty-five percent ABV, uh, two grams of sugar, and Demerara. So no refined sugar in there. And then they also four milligrams of caffeine. So if you poured yourself an eight-ounce oh, okay. cup of coffee and an eight-ounce cup of this, this would be about a quarter of a cup of coffee for caffeine. Oh, wow. Uh, but it's dangerous. It smells just like a fresh cup of coffee poured out. Yeah. Again, it's a mocha java blend. And with the Wild Arbor, killer espresso martini. Did you say what beans they were? Uh, as far as I know, they – actually, I don't know. I don't know if they're java or if they're um, or the other ones. Mm. But, you know, it's java because it's mocha java blend. Oh, okay. Yeah, but it's organic fair trade coffee beans. Again, the same day the beans are roasted, so it just smells like a fresh cup of coffee. So good, Are you good over there? Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, just, we should have started with this, bro. Yeah, I would have stayed on here all day. <laughs> uh, but they're solid. Like I said, Mike and Jenny are awesome people. My, my favorite story is I went out there. I met Mike. but be, So Mike is a former physicist. He's science-minded. He actually has a Vendome still, but he drilled his own sensors into it. So if some, there's a distillation going on, he's like, uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, because it's off his phone, and he has to be really dialed in. So I go there and I'm like, okay, I meet up with Mike at five. Jenny's gonna have dinner for us ready at seven. I get there at five. Me and Mike are still talking at two o'clock in the morning. Jenny's like, I just assume you guys are not coming over now because the kids are asleep. We're like, yeah. I go to a, basically an abandoned fairgrounds parking lot to a taco and burrito truck. I had the, uh, <laughs> I had the sea, land and air, which is shrimp, chicken and beef in a burrito that was the size of my arm and horchata. Two o'clock in the morning. Scariest thing I've ever done in my life. Fantastic. <laughs> Mike, Mike is such a whiz. We just we just lost track of time and just like, yeah, th- have you had this? You do that? I would do this. Because it's like not everybody can speak that language sometimes. A lot of the distillers are mad scientists. And you see that in breweries and wineries. Like, they're just almost antisocial. Mike's not like that, but I could be like, Mike, come on. You got to do it this way or that way or this. Or he's telling me, like, Mario, like you, if this is the only way you can do this process. And so we learned a lot from each other, and we had a great time. But, of course, it ends at a taco truck and a, an abandoned fairgrounds. So you, 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 <laughs> you, most, you live and you learn sometimes. That's the most California thing ever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Nothing was open. I mean, no. Everything closes early in California. Yeah. It's yes, weird. It's really sad. Yeah. So I was like, all right. I guess it's me and a bunch of construction workers having <laughs> our chat on burritos. So you but would recommend this with the Wild Arbor for uh, espresso martini? Yeah. So the Griffo goes at twenty nine ninety nine. So again, super aggressive on the pricing. American made. Doing it with the Wild Arbor. So pick up both. You're still gonna sit, you know, like at a really comfortable price point. But with the two of them combined, you know, you're gonna end up making twenty five espresso martinis. You know, like unless you guys, it's like seventeen. But <laughs> but you know, if you do two Hell of this yeah. and one of this. <laughs> You could drink them all day long, and they're really pleasant. You know, it's a. I always had people like, yeah, I make an espresso martini, but it's more bitter, or it's more sweet, or it's more blank. It's like, yeah, but I drink one. Like no one eats two cheesecakes sure. in a row. Right. Like you could be always be more decadent, but like, how do you get versatility so everybody in the party's happy 
and they're going to be drinking and having a good time and not being like, I'm so full. There's so many damn That's calories. So true. Is that a challenge? Two Let's cheesecakes in a row? Two cheesecakes in a row, yeah. That's next episode. Yeah, yeah. Next yeah, episode. that's round two. Yeah, we'll, we'll ferment it and we'll distill it. And I mean, we'll not to say that Restaurant Depot could sponsor the episode, but, yeah. like, that could be a thing. You want, like, the marble cheesecake, the raspberry white chocolate, the regular, and the, there's always yeah. a variety <laughs> yeah, track. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> all at one time. So out of all of your products that you, you offer, w- what is your best seller? Like, if somebody wanted to understand you as a person and your, your company, what would you say is a good representation of what you sell? That's a, that's a really good question. Um, I definitely think the Moon Harbor, I, we've only got it less than a month. I mean, I think we're at less than two weeks, 10 days now with this product. I think it's gonna crush. I think this is gonna be like the next It Whiskey. Um, I mean, thanks to its limited availability. Um, I think what we really focus is on people who are passionate about their craft. I can talk to Mike until two o'clock in the morning. I can talk to Shravan and his brothers at Filibuster at any time of the day um, about how much they care about that product and, and what goes into it and using their local resources. Moon Harbor, focusing on, the, on, on that Bordeaux, focusing on bringing the grains and their distillate. You know, having somebody who had to work and make their ends meet at a bigger corporation to kind of go out on their own and branch out. You know, I bring a lot of passion to this. I didn't skip. I didn't cut any corners when it came to education. I, I know what I'm talking about. I mean, like, you know, don't hold me against me. Don't look up anything I said today. Um, but I like to think that I know what I'm talking about. And even if I'm lying, at least I'm convincing. Sure. I'm really passionate about what I have here. Um, so it, it's just a matter of that. I'm bringing in people who are passionate. I don't need a brand that says, good luck. Uh, we made X. You know, like, your, our job is done. I love bringing in people who roll up their sleeves and know what it takes to work a brand, motivate a brand, understand your competition that's out there, and how you can really make a difference. And I know that I could bring on 20 more bourbons. There's a new bourbon company every day. Right. I could bring on a million other scotches. What I want to bring in is things that make sense with people who know how to back the product because they care. I don't want to have to explain to the people who make the product how they make their product. And I've seen that before, and I've had people approach me, and it's like, oh, this is just a, this is a money laundering scheme? Are you just trying to like off get rid of a half a mil and just be like, oh, I have this money, I'm losing, I'm, I'm losing business on this distillate, so I gotta sure. write it off of my taxes? No, I, we have people who are like, look, my blood, my sweat, and my tears go into the product, and luckily with uh, almost every single one of these brands, that's the case. Is there a way for if people find something on the shelf to see if it came from your company? Uh, some of them do say imported by Monsieur Touton. Um, they all necessarily don't. Like this one does. I mean, stuff in the U.S. doesn't get imported by us. So we're not actually allowed to okay. put that stuff on there. I know this one. We do have it on there as well. But is there like a social media or something that? Well, we have our own website. Okay. We do have a Monsieur T- uh, Touton Instagram page. We do have uh, a website you can go to. Very well done. Um, if you like spirits, you can always visit me in the office on 27th and 7th, right by FIT, uh, and Oscar Wilde, and Patent Pending, fantastic cocktail bars. Um, but, uh, you know, I really have to focus on myself at being the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain and making sure these brands work. Because if they don't work, I don't work. So it's not really about Mario Delgado or Monsieur Touton. It's about how does Wild Arbor or Griffo or Filibuster or Moon Harbor end up on your shelf set? And why does it matter to you? Do you know what you're drinking? Why are you drinking it? Because 
great. Do you drink Wild Arbor because I talked about it on this podcast? Or you're like, no, I stand behind this. I don't want dairy. I do this for this reason. And you know, I'm not here to create demand or covet products. I'm here to educate you because if you don't like this, I want you to know why you don't like it because that's what went into it. Sure. Um, and like I said, it can't just be about me. There are people who are passionate behind that. That has to make sense too. And it's it's a legitimate family or like it's legitimate people behind the brand, which I think a lot of we're very spoiled in Western New York by having like, and it's, I'm not getting paid to say this. Like I'm, I'm literally being honest. If you go to different liquor stores and you talk to the store owners, they might not have that same background knowledge. Whereas like Addie's and Lexi's do because their staff literally understands each brand. And then the story behind it, because they have that relationship with the reps that help provide the products for the shelf. So having that background all you have to do is just if you're local and you want to get one of these go to eddie's or lexi's and say i want to support you know you guys and then what skews do you guys have because i literally just liked the fact that a you carry it here but b i i want to try this because it was on the show and then you know the third point not just stopping at two but the third point is i i want to you know, really help the people behind the individual brand. And I was in, you know, the market for a new vermouth. I was mm-hmm. in the market for a new single malt. I was in the market for a new cast strength. And I just want to try something different. I want to try the fact that this is clear and it doesn't make sense because it's like a cream it core. Your brain. Yeah, a hundred percent. So like all of those different intricacies are met and you know, obviously your time is extremely valuable, so thank you because we're definitely not within the normal interview time range. Um, but it, I mean, it was just fantastic to understand yeah. Yeah, everything I mean, behind this. I like I said, I I know I I strayed from the path a little bit, and and we diverged a little. No, bit. No, but thank you. But for this that. is but this mm-hmm. is the sense of alcohol, right? Yeah. The the reason it comes in a in a twenty five or twenty three ounce bottle is so you could share it. Yeah. Whether there's three of you, whether there's fifteen of you. It's a sense of community. It loosens your tongue. You're like, these are my joys. These mm-hmm. are my fears. These are how we work together. And that's really the role of alcohol because we could have all, all of us have a Manhattan in front of us and be like, what do you do for work? What do you enjoy? And if I walked onto the street and act a stranger, what do you do for work? What do you enjoy? I'd probably get stabbed or slapped. <laughs> but alcohol has this kind of shield dropping effect sure. where people are willing to make themselves vulnerable even with strangers that doesn't exist outside of these four walls mm-hmm. of a bar or in your home or in your backyard or something like that. And like I said, it is part of our history of bringing communities together. This stuff doesn't exist unless there's somebody who has fire, who runs a still, who can copper and metal, who can make barrels, who can have a, a, a farm that grows all the extra grains. Who can drill through a bus. Yeah, exactly. Who can drill through a bus right. worth of concrete. Yeah. So it's, it's a sense of community that brings us together and that's the type of thing I bring away with alcohol. And like I said, it's not something should be coveted. You're never like, I'm going to make sure I have a conversation with Derek and Mike that no one else will ever hear because it's the most special conversation ever. (laughs) I think it's a sense of like, how do I become more of a member of the community where the digital age has taken that away from us? Um, And there's not something that you can really just be like, people just drink and they just fight on the internet and or they'll do it sober. I, I like to view alcohol as that take down the shields, take off the armor, where are we as people? Mm-hmm. Where do we meet eye to eye? And it's over a bottle of booze. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So social media website, where are you guys at? Uh, com, And I think the Instagram is Monsieur Touton. Um, but if you go on the website, you can see the portfolio. I think it's break, broken up into spirits. You can see what's available, what's out there. 
Um, and you can always just, you know, reach out. I'm mario.delgado at m2ton.com. You can always reach out to me. Uh, I'm more than happy to answer questions or bore you to death. Anybody I can harangue <laughs> and get to talk about spirits for an exuded amount of time, I'm more than happy to do that. Um, but I'm always around. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm here to help. I'm here to educate because it's like we don't get farther the less we know. Sure. Well, anytime you're back in Buffalo, man, let us know because we'll more than welcome. All right, we'll come back in the fall. We'll do some we'll do some really (laughs) old cognac. Um, We'll do some really funky stuff, and then I have some stuff on the horizon that I think you guys will get a big kick out of. That awesome, yeah, for sure. Well, go check them out. Go over to their social media, and also any of these brands that we talked about. I'm assuming that they they have website. Yeah, Wild Arbor, Griffo, Filibuster, Moon Harbor, Glenn Turner. And uh, Nine to Dante. They all have social media pages. Some are a little bit more exuberant than others, but what they save on social media, that's in the product. Sure. So it just focuses on the goods. Yeah. And you guys know Mike and I, we don't really talk about products that we don't like. I would have any of these on my shelf. Agreed. So we'll probably have reviews on some of them coming up. So if you're excited about that, go subscribe and make sure that you're here. Um, but honestly, Mario, thank you so much for all your oh time. Oh, my this God. Awesome. Anytime. This is such a treat. Yeah, I really appreciate sure. it, guys. Of course. Awesome. And thank you to the Draft House for having me. The Draft yes. House. Thank yeah, you. okay. Thank Speak you. easy at the Draft House, right? Yeah, it was a, a little, little bougie, but we're here. A little, a little bougie, but we're they here. They almost didn't let us in. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, thanks so much for your time, and Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. I'm not sure, 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 I'